our respiratory system, our, our digestive functioning, our reproduction system, our nervous system, our parasympathetic nervous system, it's all the same no matter who you are, no matter what the package looks like on the outside. So when you understand how to meditate in concert with your, your body, your thinking mind and your active body, then the practice becomes more enjoyable. And if you don't know that, then you end up inadvertently fighting against your own natural tendencies, which makes it less enjoyable. And so when I'm saying success in meditation, what I'm referring to is meditating in a way that feels enjoyable because you understand, you understand how the body and mind um, work. Light, thank you so much for being part of the Neuro Experience. I'm so excited to have you here because I'm a fan of your book and I'm a fan of meditation, which you are, I believe, a master in. So before we get into anything, before I pick your brain, uh, give us a quick rundown on who you are, how you got into meditation and all about your book. Uh, quick rundown. I got into meditation about... Um, Gosh, about 20, 22 years ago, I was living in New York. I was modeling at the time. I was dabbling in yoga. And back then, back then, the yogis were all talking about meditation as well. And I started going to this little meditation circle in Manhattan. And uh, I just remember, I remember being very curious and also very equally as frustrated. <laughs> um, I was, there weren't a lot of people that I knew who were meditating back in the nineties. And uh, the people who were seemed to be kind of, you know, on the fringe of, of mainstream society because there weren't any apps, there weren't any mainstream books or anything like that. So it was kind of a novel thing. And I, I liked the novelty of it, but I, but from a practical standpoint, it didn't really seem like I was making much progress. And I didn't realize until much later, until years later, when I moved to Los Angeles and I started practicing, uh, essentially it was transcendental meditation, mm. how profound meditation could be. And I started to have really deep and tangible experiences. And, uh, and that's when I became I, I would say that's when I consider myself to be a, a meditator, you know, someone who actually, it's like when people are, are coffee drinkers, you know, they wake up and they need their coffee to get going. I needed my meditation to get going. And um, as opposed to someone who drinks coffee or someone who meditates, right? Like I drink coffee, but I wouldn't consider myself to be a coffee drinker. Right? I don't need, I don't wake up thinking, oh, I can't wait to get my coffee so I can get my day started. If there happens to be coffee around, I'll, I'll drink some if it's mixed with some really nice nut milk or something like that. But other than that, I, I will, I won't, I don't really think about it very much. And I think, I think most people have that sort of relationship with meditation where they kind of are appreciative of it. If it's around, they'll do it, but they're not necessarily waking up excited about meditating or trying to seek it out or re rearranging their whole day around a meditation experience. And one of the reasons why I wrote the book bliss more how to succeed in meditation without really trying is because I wanted to address that pain point that a lot, a lot of people have where meditation feels hard. It just feels challenging. They agree that it's good to do, that they should be doing it, and they should be doing it consistently. But we, we want to get meditation out of the, you know, take out the trash category, which is also something we should do on a regular basis. But how often do you wake up excited about taking the trash out? Like, you know, unless it gets really stinky in your place. You, you don't usually think about it very much. 
Um, yeah. And we want to get it out of the chore category, basically, and into the into the. Um, I look forward to the things that we look forward to doing: Sunday brunch, you know, um, put, uh, cuddling with puppies, um, you know, eating sweets, you know, these kinds of of dessert like experiences where everyone kind of looks forward to it. And, um, and, and it's an indulgence almost. And, and I think meditation can be in that category for most people. If they knew, if they just knew what they were doing, and most people just don't know what they're, they don't know how to convert the practice in from being uh, difficult to being easy. So the, so the principles in the book that I wrote will help the layperson understand it well enough to be able to uh, have some pretty interesting and, profound experiences. Well, you speak a lot about the many variations of meditation and I know, um, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this shortly around transcendental and Vedic meditation. However, you, you talk a lot about, you know, people believe that sometimes going for a walk in the park is their form of meditation. Going for a bike ride is their form of meditation. Is there a one correct way of meditating or is it just However, you can silence out the noise, sit there, be peaceful, be with yourself. Is that something that you describe as meditation? Um, you know, that's one of the that's one of the the um, topics that I've been addressing a lot lately um, in my newsletters and stuff. Is this idea that anything that I do with uh, mindfulness is meditation. And and the, the confusion there is that those two terms, meditation and mindfulness, are kind of overlapping.